Welcome to Docs in Orbit, where we feature conversations with independent, creative, non-fiction filmmakers from around the world. This is Emil Klein, sitting in for Christina Zachariadis. 26 years ago, at the 35th New York Film Festival, curators Gavin Smith and Mark L. Hatton, along with the assistance of Richard Pena, kicked off the festival's experimental sidebar, Views from the Avant-Garde. While their inaugural program featured names like Stan Brackage, Gregory Markopoulos, and Nathaniel Dorsky, it also opened up a space where voices experimenting with cinema's language might meet new audiences. In the festival's intervening years, Views has since transformed, first into projections, and in 2020 into its most recent formation, Currents. Currents came into being back in 2020, actually the same year as the show, Docs in Orbit. And so every year since, it's been a place where we've gone to find stirring films and the directors that we've brought into conversation. Past episodes include My Mexican Brezzo with Nuria Jimenez, A Night of Knowing Nothing with Peao Capadilla, and Rewind and Play with Alan Gomez. For this year's edition, we decided to focus a bit more intently on the programming and get behind the scenes to look at that curatorial approach. In today's episode, I sit down with the curators of Currents at the 61st New York Film Festival. Our guests are Rachel Rakes, Ali Nash, and Tyler Wilson. They put together an exciting program, which we'll explore, as well as what differentiates Currents, among other programs, in New York and abroad. I hope you find things here that you enjoy. So we have Rachel here. Hello. <laughs> and here we have Tyler. Hi, Emil. <laughs> hey, Rachel. Hey, Tyler. Hey, Eileen. Congrats on the start of the 61st New York Film Festival, and uh, current selection is just beginning. Maybe the best way to start is just an introduction of yourselves and your relationship and role with the New York Film Festival and Currents. So I'm Eileen Nash. I am a programmer for Currents, so on the selection committee for the features, and then Tyler and I program shorts together. And I started with the festival in 2014, which was the first edition of Projections, and then Currents started in 2020. So I'm Rachel. Uh, I've been involved with the festival for four or five years. I was first coming on as an advisor, and then I've been on the committee for two years. Prior to that, I was running a festival with Dennis Lim called Art of the Real, which we ran for nine years and has possibly ended, possibly not, might morph into something else. We shall see. Tyler, you started? Uh, I started working at, well, then it was called Film Society of Lincoln Center. I started in 2015. I didn't start as a programmer, I was more of a coordinator for the programming department, but that year was my first New York Film Festival. I began programming with new directors, new films for the shorts programs around 2017, and then a year after that I, I worked on the shorts programs, and uh, then I joined the selection committee for the current section in 2020. It sounds like you've seen kind of a trajectory of the festival from the inside out in that regard as well. Yeah, in, in, di- in different ways, like from the logistical side to the, uh, the curatorial side, I think, yeah. Talking about the curatorial side, I'm curious how you see yourselves as cultural workers in both the film world, but also kind of like what the New York Film Festival provides, what Currents provides for the general populace of New York, and also just the film industry. Well, if we're speaking in particular about like the role that, say, Currents plays in terms of like film scene in New York, I would say 
this is just my personal opinion, but that it kind of mirrors the overall New York Film Festival in that it's, we make pains to make programs that are connected thematically and complement each other and to be kind of thorough. But in the end, it's really like a showcase of what we think are the most interesting films of the year. And they don't have to be, we're not, we're not pressured about huge premieres. We're not pressured about, you know, like we're making a statement by just saying these are the things that have caught our eye and that feel important and strong to us. And that's a different kind of programming than any of us might do otherwise, say, and maybe that's happening in other places in the city. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I think like just with, with Currents especially, it's like, you know, in the lineage of, of views from the avant-garde and, and projections and now Currents, I think like this version is like the largest incarnation of this category of films. And I think since Dennis took over as artistic director of the festival, I think across sections with Currents especially, there's this more concerted effort of having all of these films that are in Currents just be in conversation with also the rest of the festival. And you can see that how that plays out and the way maybe talks are programmed, we have filmmakers from the main slate talking to filmmakers who are in Currents. We have a filmmaker like Wang Bing, who has a film, The Man in Black, in Currents, but he also has his much longer feature, Youth, in the main slate. And so, yeah, I, I think trying to, that like the audience isn't monolithic and that we want these different audiences to kind of be exposed to other sections of the festival. Yeah, and with that comparison, I guess it's more heterogeneous than ever before or year after year, it feels like it's always more heterogeneous, where starting from views from the avant-garde maybe had a, a more particular motivation, where it was like you kind of knew what you were going to see. And I think that's less and less the case here, where we have more agency just to pick things that we have a variety of different criteria for, that we just you know argue that are strong for a, quite a diverse range of reasons. Yeah, I guess coming out of the festivals, kind of history with views from the avant-garde, I think the interest in shifting into projections was kind of the beginning of this idea of wanting to include in the festival works that really were experimenting and innovative, but went beyond kind of the avant-garde into more documentary nonfiction realms and into um, works that were showing in the visual arts as well and kind of really opening up what it meant to show contemporary moving image work. Yeah, I think along with what Rachel and Tyler are saying that that has kind of evolved into the section kind of holding more maybe narrative works as well. Yeah. And Rachel, just going back to something that you had brought up, Eileen, I think you had actually mentioned it as well, but you know, 26 years ago is when Views from the Avant-Garde started. Now we've transitioned from that to projections and into currents. How has kind of the language or thought about the program shifted um, as it is dealing more specifically than any of the other parts of the festival with experimental, contemporary, kind of form-shifting works? I think we're just trying to keep up. Like, film has changed, art has changed you know, like styles have changed and what people accept as, as fiction or nonfiction or, you know, like a hybrid film and art film, what shows in a gallery or a cinema, all of that has loosened up quite a bit um, in, in those intervening years. And I think we're just trying to reflect that or keep, or, yeah, or catch that um, and just keep reprocessing every, every year what, what is considered a current film or what would have been considered avant-garde. Yeah, I think at the point where views was still on and projections there was a discrete documentary section mm -hmm. i think it was with the evolution of currents 
where there was no longer documentary and then documentary became integrated throughout all of the sections. So, you know, things like that, as Rachel said, are kind of reflecting the way that filmmakers are working, where it didn't really make sense to be so discreet. Yeah. You know, also, I I don't know, it might make sense to speak a little bit about Art of the Real. I don't know. What do you think, Rachel? Yeah, I mean... So, yeah, we, up until last year, we've been running this festival, Art of the Real, which is for experimental nonfiction, let's say, or more, less mainstream nonfiction. And that maybe housed a lot of the works that would otherwise be in a documentary section, or somehow now the, the current section is more robust, perhaps because of the demise of Art of the Real, <laughs> because we don't have another venue for these things. So, yeah. And that festival itself was also like it was nonfiction or documentary, but like very, very, very loosely interpreted too, to the point of having it be almost meaningless. <laughs> so, <laughs> in in that regard, do you think that there are things that wouldn't have been in this festival were Art of the Real still around? I I guess that's kind of an unfair question. Yeah, there were things that like I I might have fought for. Like I mean. It's always funny with, I mean, so like Dennis works for both, so he's like always double agent and was working for many other festivals. And I guess Tyler, you also work for, you're sometimes on the new directors mm-hmm. committee and other, and programming other, other things as well within Lincoln Center. And so that kind of strange double dipping or fight or territorial things, all, you know, it's all in, in like, you know, in niceness, but you have to really think about the strategy of timing and, and the right housing. And it's just kind of being collaborative. But yeah, that would be possible. Huh. Well, I guess something that came up for us as we were looking at the history, it's kind of its different iterations. It seems like there have been periods of great growth. When it started back in 97, I think there might have been as few as 21 films, mostly short shown. Whereas when Views ended, I think it had grown to almost maybe even over 200 films between the shorts and the features. Yes, that is possible. For sure. Which seemed like a lot of work uh, <laughs> to, to coordinate. And I'm curious kind of in the decision-making as it's grown and then um, gone back to kind of a, a more manageable chunk of films uh, selections? Kind of what are, the, what are the discussions that are happening internally in that regard? I guess none of us were around for that, for views. I mean, we were here as audience yeah. people. But um, going into projections, we set out with kind of a set number of slots that we had and kind of were working within that would be manageable. At that time, as Rachel was saying, you know, Dennis was working year-round on new directors and Art of the Real. And so I think there were all these other venues for which features were showing. So I think at that point, we were only showing like four to six features at most, yeah. in projections. It was mostly shorts and like an occasional feature kind of it felt. Yeah, I think we usually did have at least four or something. Mm-hmm. but And then like eight shorts programs has kind of been the norm. But... Yeah, the features is really what's kind of grown as Currents has come into being. I think last year we had something like 15 or 16. Uh, We don't really know. (laughs) Number of stuff, yeah, Yeah. just forget it. We're not good at math. Yeah. (laughs) So... Talking about what you you are good at, I'm I'm curious, do you you mind talking about the, like, what, what themes were coming up as you were putting together this selection, this year's selection? There's a pretty wide variety in terms of locations, in terms of formats and kind of approaches among kind of experimental documentary, hybrid work. What was happening in the room as you were watching and discussing what, what would come in? Um, I would just say we're just watching movies and there's not, we're not like thinking that there's like a theme 
that precedes the films in any way. You know, we're、mm. not like looking for anything thematic in particular. I think we're really just open to to what the films offer us. And so, I don't know if anything emerges. It's kind of maybe when we're looking at shorts and yeah, the, thinking the about programs become more apparent afterward. And yeah, I guess maybe that、mm. is sort of. How we start thinking about just organizing program blocks with shorts, and which I feel like is just generally a bit more like intuitive, and just thinking about these films being in conversation with each other, and also just the filmmakers, like when the festival actually takes place, what those conversations will be like when the filmmakers are in the room together. Yeah, but then overall, it's more tonal than theme-wise in terms of the features and how they fit with the shorts, and sometimes shorts are preceding features. It's like when we're talking together after we've seen a block of films, decisions will come down to like, well, these two things are too totally similar because we don't have that many slots, and so things have to feel like this, this composition, right? So, it has more to do with that than like we have to have three, you know, like you know, year in year out. There's lots of you know eco films that get more and more experimental about their point of view or approach、um, as we face climate disaster, and there's going to be a certain limit thematically to things because we have this small sort of range of works to show. And we want things to be really strong, so it's about yeah composition, I guess, more than anything.、Mm. We definitely, we definitely caught some of this eco element、yeah. within this year's selections. Do you mind talking about some of those films? I'm sure that they're very close to the heart for all three of you already. Yeah, there's there's Deborah Stratman's Last Things, which is like kind of told from the perspective of rocks and geology, and that's something that. In the rest of my like cultural practice, I'm finding kind of everywhere. Like everyone's talking about rocks these days, and like <laughs> realizing that like we're made of rocks, like that bones are rocks, and that like you know this like really like non you know non-human jamming kind of thing is happening. So、um, that's kind of a favorite film for me.、Um, a lot of the films that aren't necessarily eco films feel like eco films. Like I want to say that The Human Search Three is kind of an eco film in a way. It's a very like. I don't know. I was I did a Q and A with Teddy a couple days ago, and I was arguing with him about the sort of idea of universality within it because it takes place in three different parts of the world with distinct kind of climates and cultures. But there's a sense of like these similarities happening in each place, and he imparts these certain bits of writing that are said the same in each place. It kind of creates this sense of like togetherness, and ends up in this sort of mega mountain climb. Yeah, that for me rings as another kind of strong film that is about the time, which then has to be about ecology. I think. I think、um, Shambhavi's film Slow Shift is also very much thinking about different registers of time, like geologic time and human time, alongside、um, monkey time, and then yeah, even into the narrative films like A Prince、mm-hmm. yep. and. Michael Gitlin's Night Visitors. Night Visitors, the Moth film, which、um, I think is really interesting because it's really not just a doc about moths, but about humans' relationships to the other, as he calls it, and the unknowability of other species and creatures,、mm. and but also their kind of what they offer aesthetically. It really is like a. Gorgeous film in terms of its slow, like long shots of all of these moths that Michael captured, which are quite incredible. Yeah, I mean,、uh, these films also cross my mind too. I mean, especially with the Human Surge. I mean, my experience watching that film for the first time. I mean, 
it is a hangout film about being together, but there is this kind of creepiness that permeates throughout the film, and I think it's sort of pointing to this kind of environmental collapse, the world sort of falling apart around people. I mean, there are moments in the film where Teddy is sort of creating that effect on a, on a visual level. Yeah, it, Michael's film, yeah, just endlessly curious about moths, just as like indicators of, you know, environmental decay, but also just these beautiful, yeah, aesthetic subjects. Another thing that came up as I was going through all these films is, uh, and I think Christina noticed as well, is films where people seem to be returning to some place of their past, say, uh, The Fist, or, I mean, I guess there are actually elements in The Prince that also relate to that as well, but I'm, I'm curious, was, yeah. were oh, yeah. these things coming up as you were... Yeah, Miko Revreza's film, Nowhere Near, definitely... Uh, yeah, I was thinking there are a couple of films that are thinking through diaspora in different ways. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, Miko's film in which he as an undocumented artist living in the States kind of got to a point in his life where he made the decision to leave and return to the Philippines where he was born and where his family is from to this ancestral village to kind of seek out like why did we even leave here in the first place? Also, um, Mackie Mallison's short, Live from the Clouds, is also kind of about looking at his family and generations of Japanese Americans who haven't been able to return for various kind of personal reasons. And Man in Black, the Wang Bing film that we put in our section, is very much, I mean, it's by a filmmaker who is probably permanently displaced from his own country, uh, about a composer who is permanently displaced from his own country. From, so, And it's a yeah, deep film about trying to unburden oneself of trauma or perform it out or rehearse it out. I was going to say, I mean, this is operating more in like the level of narrative, but there are definitely documentary elements about Inside the Yellow Cocoon Shell, which is really all about this filmmaker, Tianan Pham, basically making a film kind of exploring his decision to sort of move from the countryside of Vietnam to the city. And it's about this character who is, I think, in many ways, a version of himself, just going back to his hometown and asking these questions of, of belonging and sort of who you're sort of living for by making these choices to move away from, you know, where you grew up. I mean, it's great to hear each of you talk about these films, and I actually kind of want to dig into that a bit further, just in regard to the 61st New York Film Festival and its current selection. For each of you, if you were going to take one piece, um, one moment maybe even from one of these films, when you think about this year's programming, obviously you're excited about so many of them, but what, what is a moment for each of you from one of these films, be it a short or a feature, that really stands out as something you think you're going to walk away from this, this current selection from? For me, um, maybe I could talk about Tula Pop Sarangen's Mangosteen. I think maybe I just have an un unquenchable thirst for films about filmmaking, but it's really clever and really surprising scene by scene in terms of the way that it deals with fiction and science fiction and like the surprise at which the dialogue unfolds, that just you don't expect ever the next line to come. And he set out to make the film about the idea of narrative, and I think it's really accomplished in that, so. Yeah, I was just watching it with an audience last night and was just like, everything in that film is so unpredictable and wacky and fun, but it's all so 
smart and tight too. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, it's always really exciting because we had about 3,500 submissions. Am I wrong? Three, almost 3,000. Okay, oh, sorry, almost 3,000. Still, still bad at the numbers. <laughs> um, submissions for shorts this year, which I think is the most we've ever had. And we had all of these great screeners watching films with us. I think 10, you know, we're all watching hundreds of films and to kind of get to a point where there's dozens that everyone's really excited about and to kind of find films in there by filmmakers that are really new to us and whose works, you know, are really just kind of coming in from the internet and to find some voices in there that are really surprising. So I would just say Bold Eagle by Whammy Alcazarian was one such fun surprise. Yeah, just felt so fresh and funny and just its use of kind of, I don't even know what to call it. I mean, it's kind of a narrative about this man in, in this uh, apartment and his kind of journey into online pornography and his cat is there alongside him and him making videos for the web. And it's, I guess, just formally and aesthetically the way it's put together was uh, really surprising. Yeah, I think in another film that was kind of pulled from the film Freeway submissions was Coral by mm -hmm. uh, Sonia Aleniak, who I believe is a local mm -hmm. New York filmmaker. And she, like, she's made a, a local film sort of built around this song cycle that is written and sung in, like a, in a made-up language. And I think just what she's doing with music and her compositions, she's shooting mostly in Brighton Beach, um, which has many iconic images and that would be recognizable to people from New York. But I think when you're watching this film, she kind of does render New York like nearly unrecognizable, which is pretty incredible. Hmm. You asked about a moment maybe in, in a film and um, one we haven't really talked about yet is James Benning's Allensworth, which I had the privilege of seeing it in a cinema. My first time watching it in sort of typical Benning fashion, uh, he approaches the subject, the subject being um, now a ghost town of Allensworth that was founded in 1908. And, you know, so through these sort of 12 sort of static long takes, he's kind of rendering a cinematic calendar of the, of the current state of this town. But I think he's also using this approach to tell a, a history that of this town that hasn't really been shared in, in that way. And I think there is a, there's a moment in the film, um, like uh, how he uses music, I just found in, in like incredibly effective and, and moving, um, and just because it catches you by surprise. So yeah, that remains a, a standout moment in the film for me. Hmm. There's always something strange about the moment of seeing a work that you programmed in the cinema for the first time, or hearing it for the first time, and being like, "Oh yeah, this really is, <laughs> this really is something." I, we like we we have to have this kind of speculative idea of what it will feel, and you know, like what it'll be in the cinema after watching it 90% of the time on our laptops or maybe projection at home. Um, that's just a side note. But yeah, yours was yours. Yeah. Your screening was actually for yes, that, for the which first is time. Yeah. usually not the norm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for us. I'm curious with with this your screening is there um is there anything in particular where you're you feel a little bit kind of giddy for how this audience is going to respond 
because of, I mean, for example, watching a Benning film is always an experience of its own, you know, for somebody who may not be prepared for, for his work. I'm curious, is there something uh, where you're like, it's kind of a little bit um, like tricky that you're like, oh, I don't know how they're going to respond to this. They may walk out. That's enjoyable for you, knowing that that's what they have ahead of them. I feel like the, the nature of this section does attract just curious audience members already. So it's maybe not necessarily at the top of my mind. Or like I think we're all like very excited about each of these films because we find them new and exciting in, in different ways. But mm. I don't know if I've, I have any like trepidation about mm -hmm. particular... Like our audiences tend to be down for weird stuff and they know to expect that from yeah. us. Yeah, any time in the past that I have wondered about about that question, it hasn't proven to be true. Which is great, so. right? I mean, because you know that that's the audience that's out there for you. Can we talk about maybe some of this curation for the shorts sections? And um, maybe each of you could go through one of the programs that you uh, have overseen and kind of how you were thinking about the flow of that section. Uh, I mean, I don't maybe for I don't think we like necessarily take ownership over a given program. It's pretty collaborative across the board. Yeah, I feel like for the shorts that we pair with features, Tyler and I will share films with Rachel and Dennis. We'll all watch them together and then talk about which features we feel make sense to um, pair with some of these shorts. And then with the shorts programs, yeah, Tyler and I really just start to have like hive mind and like, <laughs> start thinking through all the different films and the ways in which they can go together. And yeah, it's it's interesting, like Tyler said, it's a very intuitive process of feeling out which films kind of feel like they go with other films. And yeah, it's always really fun to kind of do that together. Yeah, and, and we, I mean, we have these ongoing meetings where we're talking about films, you know, over the course of the year. And I think by the time we're actually assembling these blocks, in many ways, like the work has been done in sort of talking mm. through what these films are and sort of like which films could work together. And yeah, I, I obviously it becomes like a different kind of conversation, like in the, the final decision stretch where... But the porousness of the shorts with the features, and especially this year, we have two mid-length films coming together. We had this film on Gentle, which might have been in the features program at one point, might have been in the shorts. So there's a nice kind of like... Eileen and Tyler work together on the shorts on their own in some ways, but then also there's like add this porousness into the features. So that's nice. Yeah, it was so cool to see two mid-length films in a festival. That's a rare occurrence. Yeah, we often show films of that length, but sometimes they're in a shorts program or something. But this year, those two films just kind of made sense together. And so, yeah, we paired those. But yeah, I would say... Another fun defining moment of the shorts program making is figuring out the titles, which is oh, always yeah. a thing for us. Um, harder and harder every year. Yeah. 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 You're like, did we use that title already or not? Yeah. I can't. It sounds like a good title. Oh, it, it, oh, it is yeah. a good title Three because we used ago, it. Yeah. We used yeah. yeah. Sounds like there are a lot of late nights. So, this is a festival that does not have awards, which I think allows for things that other festivals may not. How do you see that as a as kind of an asset? 
Yeah, it's not just the awards things, it's also the premieres thing that we're not fighting with other festivals. There's like less of that kind of pressure, for our section at least, and we don't have to deal with studio pressure or any of those kinds of, <laughs> mostly like not a whole lot of sales agents and things like that. So it's a different kind of, mostly a different world. Yeah, I think we're so lucky that there's really never a conversation about we need this many world premieres or North American premiere. Like, it's really not even part of the conversation. It, I don't even know how many premieres of what kind we have, you know? Like, it's just really not something we think about. But because so many other festivals are fixated on that and it's such a sticking point for them, often we'll get questions from filmmakers that are like, oh, I told you I was going to give you the North American premiere, but I got invited to this. Like, is this going to affect? And we're like, no, great. Like, we want you to show your film. Like, as long as you don't show it in New York, it's totally, we're happy for you to show it anywhere else. And yeah, we're really lucky in that regard. I also just, in like speaking about like just awards, I mean, it's always great for like an artist to be awarded so they can work on their next project. But mm -hmm. I, I just feel like the, the energy is different at this festival with not having awards, like especially for the filmmakers. I, I, there is that pressure. Yeah just doesn't exist. I think there's like, they're invited just to be more present and actually enjoy the films, enjoy mm. each other's films and yeah. so on. Yeah, yeah. be more collegial, yeah. less, less, go less gossipy. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I mean, still gossipy, surely, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to get bogged down with kind of film theory stuff, because obviously there's a lot to explore in that regard. I am curious, are there kind of any significant writings or texts that have influenced the curatorial approach of Currents? Uh, to, to name a name who is regularly guiding my thinking about cinema is probably Amos Vogel. I mean, a film as a subversive art is, I think, a kind of critical and sort of curatorial Bible, I think, to many uh, programmers working today. Also, I mean, it's probably going to be like corny, but I think I work with like brilliant people, both with, on the Currents Committee and, and just elsewhere year round, then who like just regularly teach me about thinking about films and, and sort of challenge my thinking about films in general and programming and, and yeah, I learn from them from uh, every interaction, so. I just want to shout out Herb Schellenberger, re the Amos Vogel book that recently was reissued, oh, yeah. um, which he worked on who, and Herb is a colleague of ours who looks at shorts with us. So just wanted to shout him out. Shout him out. Am I wrong in thinking that this must be a more relaxing period now that you've finally gotten through the process of screening and you can just bask in kind of enjoying the conversations? And I mean, it's relieving because you haven't, you don't have to do the selection anymore, but I'm guessing this is a pretty interesting. The selection's moment. the fun part. Yeah, it is the fun part. I like staying home and watching <laughs> yeah, movies that's what by we myself. Want to point out. The yeah. selection's the fun part. <laughs> this is the hard part because we're all introvert, introverted nerds. Uh, so I think that. This is the yeah. hard part. <laughs> yeah, we're only like, what, day? Day three? Four? Yeah. yeah. Bad with the numbers, yeah. Eh, we're not here for the numbers. Eileen, Rachel, Tyler, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for today. Thanks, Emil. Yeah, thank you. I hope that you enjoy the rest of the festival um, and uh, look forward to all the conversations that come out of that space. Bye. Bye. You made it here. Congrats. If you are interested in learning more about the films mentioned today, well, you could head over to docsinorbit.com, where you can find all that information and also the text Film as a Subversive Art by Amos Vogel. This episode was produced by me, Emil Klein, Pranav Narayan Menundu, and Christina Zakariadis. 
Special thanks to Jenny Catherall, Eva Tooley, and Sarah Eden. Guess we'll see you when we see ya. Bye.